lifetime, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be on with you this morning. How was your day so far? Praise be to Jesus. We get another opportunity to get up and to face it for the glory of God and for the salvation of souls. Emily Alcrez is uh, again not going to be with us today. Pray for her. And uh, But Adrian Fonseca is here. Good morning, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. How are you doing? Praise Jesus, I'm alive. That, well, that counts. counts, right? <laughs> that counts. That's that what I'm counts. told. <laughs> you get credit for that. Praise God for it. Uh, but we have a great show today. You get to do the news again. Amen. It's a new. It's a new skill set you've just developed. Amazing. I'm just, just like popping out skills left and right, man. Popping out new skills left and right. Uh, I think the stream, by the way, if you're hanging out with us on Facebook, Twitter, or on YouTube, you can just search for us with at GRN online on each of those platforms. But I think we finally sorted the audio issues there. I hope so. Uh, let us know if you're, if you're commenting down below. I'll take a look. Let us know how does the audio sound. It should sound great. Yeah. Praise God for that. So uh, we're expecting a great show today. In fact, in the first hour, we're going to be speaking with Robert Moynihan from inside the Vatican. He, he's, uh, let's just say, an expert on Archbishop Vigano, and we're going to talk to him about Archbishop Vigano, who he is as a man, and maybe get the scoop on that. But Archbishop Vigano specifically lately has been talking about the Great Reset. You know who else has been talking about the Great Reset was uh, Cardinal Burke in a really powerful uh, homily he gave on the Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe. So we'll be conversating with Robert Moynihan about that in the first hour. And if you're joining us in the next hour, we'll also speak with Maggie Green from the St. Monica Club. She wrote a book uh, published by St. Sophia Institute Press called The St. Monica Club, How to Wait Hope and pray for your fallen away loved ones. So that's coming up today as well, as well as uh, the scene of the day, the gospel, and so much more. So wonderful program lined up in this hour and in the next. We hope you'll join us for both. But let's begin to pray and get started by uh, collecting all of our intentions, whatever's on your heart today, whatever you have to face today, all of your needs, materially, financially, spiritually, uh, whatever's going on in your life that you need uh, you need some prayer for, let's bring those together. Let's unite our intentions. I pray for you. I pray for the Guadalupe Radio Network and for our show today and for our family. So let's uh, bring those to Our Lady, the Queen of Heaven and Earth, that she may whisper them into the ear of her Son, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, that he may draw us ever so more intimately into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with... Adrian Fonseca. Supreme Court has vacated a ruling, or the Supreme Court has vacated a ruling on Colorado church restrictions. The Supreme Court accepted a church's appeal against coronavirus restrictions in the state of Colorado on Tuesday, even after the government reclassified churches to stop the rules applying. High Plains Harvest Church in Eaton, in Eden, Colorado, had appealed the Supreme Court for relief, 
from the state's capacity limits on indoor religious services during the pandemic. Colorado had limited attendance on houses of worship to just 50 people in certain areas where the virus was spreading acutely. However, on December 7th, the state reclassified houses of worship as critical businesses, thus exempting them from the 50-person capacity restriction. Hungary has legally, legally defined the family as having a mother and a father. On Tuesday, Hungary's parliament passed a law defining the family as having a woman as the mother and a man as the father, effectively banning adoptions by same-sex couples and complicating adoptions by single people. The change is the latest of several to be made in recent years in what the government has said are attempts to preserve Hungary's Christian identity and to boost its plummeting birth rates. The Hungarian government also stated uh, started offering financial incentives for couples in the country to marry and have children, including subsidized loans to those who marry before the bride's 40, 41st birthday. Foreign hackers may be running rampant in the U.S. government. Reuters sources has said a group of backed by a foreign government stole data from the Treasury Department and the Internet Policy-focused NTIA. While details are still limited, it was reported serious enough to prompt a National Security Council meeting at the White House on December 12th. Reporters, reporter Chris Bing said on Twitter that the attackers took emails from both agencies. Intelligence officials were concerned that the hackers used a similar method to breach other government bodies. The tipster said National Security Council's Council spokesman John Ouellette said that gov said the government was aware of reports and was taking all necessary steps to pinpoint and resolve any security issues. An art teacher is defending the Vatican's controversial nativity scene. Since it was unveiled last Friday, the Vatican's nativity scene in St. Peter's Square has elicited many negative reactions on social media. But Marcello Mancini a teacher at the Art Institute where the ceramic nativity set was made defended it, telling CNA that, quote, Many art critics have appreciated this work over the years. I'm sorry about the reactions that people don't like it, he said, emphasizing that it, it is a nativity scene that must be framed in the historical period in which it was produced. Mancini explained that the ceramic display is rich in symbols and signifiers that offer a non-traditional reading of the nativity scene. End quote. These are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. St. Adelaide of Burgundy, France, pray for us. Born in 931, uh, she was a princess, daughter of King Rudolf or Rupert II of Upper Burgundy. At two years old, her father promised her to Lothar of Italy. Uh, she wouldn't be married until 16. I just think it's interesting at two, two years old. Wow, that's quite young. Uh, but at 16, she did finally marry Lothar of Italy. Uh, but uh, he he died in 950, leaving her a widow. Uh, it was Berengarius that uh, took over Italy at the time and forced or wanted to force Adelaide to marry his son in order to make sure that he had all the power of Italy. Uh, but Adelaide refused. She was still a teenager when this happened. Uh, so she was put into prison. It would be the German king, Otto the Great, who would come to her rescue and defeat Berengarius. But um, she married the great king of Germany, who became the, uh, the, the ruler of Italy at the time, and they were married for 20 years. Praise be to Jesus. But in 983, when uh, her husband died, when Otto II died, 
um, or rather, forgive me, in 973 when she was widowed from her 20-year marriage from Otto, their son, uh, Otto II, took over, or her stepson, and it was his stepson's wife that didn't like Adelaide. And uh, so she was actually put upon quite a bit by the family. She ended up moving out because uh, she didn't want to you know, create this contentious situation there, especially as it pertains to polit- uh, you know, politics and, and ruling and all of that. Well, uh, when the stepson died and the infant you know, son, Otto III, was about to take over, the mother, Theophanes, she really didn't like Adelaide, so she had her ex out completely. But then she dies eventually. I know, it's like a soap opera, right? It's like watching the Jerry Springer show here. But I promise it gets better. When Theophanes dies, uh, Adelaide is brought back to the court in order to care for the, the small child, Otto III, until he is raised to be old enough to be able to take over the reins of power. But because Adelaide was given over to great piety and great love for the faith, she lived a very virtuous life. No matter who her detractors were, friend or foe, family or whatever, she acted with grace and virtue. And she never wanted to have uh, the power for herself. Um, she used her position in a mighty and a powerful way. She would help to evangelize. She'd actually share the faith and try to bring people and, and converts into the church. She cared for the poor. She built monasteries and churches. Um, she would use whatever resources God had given her to perpetuate the kingdom of God. And that is how she, le- she led her life. In fact, when Otto III was old enough to take over power, she quietly uh, went off into retirement, spending the rest of her life in prayer, never marrying again, by the way. Uh, she never became a nun, but she lived quite like a nun anyway for the rest of her life until she died in 999 in the monastery of Celta. St. Adelaide, pray for us. The gospel today comes from Luke's gospel, chapter 7, verses 18 through 23. At that time, John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? When the men came to the Lord, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? At that time, Jesus cured many of their diseases, sufferings, and evil spirits. He also granted sight to many who were blind. And Jesus said to them in reply, Go tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. Blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. The Gospel of the Lord. I don't know, Adrian, how you feel about this particular passage. It's short and sweet, but I kind when I read this passage, I kind of think of it in similar terms as I think of uh, when we think of St. Joseph. Yes? Why? Uh, because... Uh, there's varying opinions on St. Joseph, right? About he's old, he's young, he's, he was married before, he had children before, mm-hmm. he didn't, you know, that kind of thing. And I think the prevailing uh, sort of take on St. Joseph is that he was an old, um, uh, formerly married guy with, with kids. And I've always taken an opposite opinion. I've always, I, I, like Father Donald Calloway, have always taken the position that he was young and never married. And... Um, so I, I, I take a similar sense here in that I think when people read this, they read into it that John the Baptist had doubts about Jesus. 
Mm. And he mm. sent his disciples to sort of inquire for a definitive, clear answer, right? Right. I and, think that's that's clearly not the case. I mean, he confessed our Lord at the baptism. So. Right. I know. It's like on one hand, how do you confess and how do you have this vision of the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and then not know all of a sudden? Right. Mm-hmm. I would rather think that he is instead sending his disciples to Jesus so that they become disciples of Jesus rather than himself. That's interesting, huh? I was looking at the commentaries uh, from uh, St. Thomas. He has a collection of the Church Fathers' commentaries on it, and they have a, a, a they actually have differing opinions amongst themselves. So Thomas has them in dialogue with one another, uh, giving their different opinions. And one of the Church Fathers said uh, that. In reality, whenever he was asking, "Are you uh, are you the one that should ha- that should come?" He's not asking, "Are you the Son of God? Are you the Messiah?" Mm. He's asking, "Are you the one that are that's going to descend into hell and ha- and harrow?" And by hell, I don't mean uh, the place of the damned. I mean the place of the uh, the fathers, yeah. where the fathers were aboding. Before- right, exactly. And so they his this church father had the idea that. That St. John the Baptist is, is asking, are you going to come down to Sheol and bring out the fathers? Uh, let me know so that way I can let them know when I get there because I know I'm about to die. And so that was one of the church fathers' opinions on that matter, and I think that was interesting. I like the signs. that So they come asking, are you the one or should we look for another? And Jesus immediately uh, begins to you know, heal diseases, uh, you know, heal the sufferings, and kick out evil spirits. And he's doing all of these signs. The blind are seeing again, the lame are walking, you know, all of these signs. This is a, a, a touch upon Isaiah chapter 35 and chapter 61, when the, the signs that would accompany the messianic uh, 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 visitation would be that the blind would see, the lame would walk, you know, diseases would be healed, and spirit, evil spirits would be cast out. So he's basically saying, John, you're a prophet of the Old Testament. You, of course, know these prophets like the back of your hand. And here is the evidence that, uh, that I am he, I am the one. And blessed is he who takes no offense at me. Uh, but again, I just, I really feel like I don't think John was a dummy. I don't think John didn't get what was going on. It's also like uh, why I take great, ex- I know I'm going to upset a lot of people when I say this right now, but uh, just between us, I'm not a big fan of Mary Did You Know? Because, uh, yes, Mary knew. She had, she had the scriptures memorized in ways that you and I n- have never memorized and have never lived and breathed it. They understood the prophecies. They knew, uh, you know, Psalm 22. They knew Isaiah 53. They knew the prophecies of the book of Daniel. They knew these things, and they knew, the, uh, and I think John also knew, and that I think he's sending his disciples so that they will now know more, more intently and more perfectly that they may follow Jesus. Right, absolutely. And I think that's even more clear. I mean, we see just like Our Lady. Our Lady was, um, according to Venerable Mary of Agreda, she dialogued with the angels from her conception yeah. uh, until the time that Angel Gabriel appeared. So, I mean, she was very much aware of what's going on. And so, too, I think, uh, in a lesser extent, John the Baptist, because uh, we see that even in the womb, he was leaping for joy at right. the coming of the Messiah. Yes. And <laughs> so, did, did he not say, uh, I must decrease and he must increase? I think that's, uh, to me, that I believe that's what's going on here. But uh, I don't know, dear listener, what do you think? I'd love to know if you want to comment on today's uh, conversations. You're welcome to do so over at facebook.com forward slash GRN online is a great way to do it. We're also live on YouTube and on Twitter. Uh, so find us on all those platforms searching for at GRN online. We're going to go to break. 
We're going to come back with the What is Concerning Us segment. But later in the program, Robert Moynihan from Inside the Vatican will be on. So don't go anywhere. More Catholic Drive Time is coming up next. We'll be right back. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart, an education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition, an education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child and wondering what Santa would bring? In many developing countries like Haiti, most children don't make Christmas lists and they don't expect Christmas gifts. Often, every penny their parents earn must go to their basic needs like food, shelter, and water. Now picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift. You can spark that magical moment by sending them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. We have got some good news. The new version of the Guadalupe Radio Network app is out now. The new version offers big improvements with even more on the way. You'll be able to find and listen to your station no matter where you are and switch between our English and Spanish stations with ease. Missed your favorite GRN show? You can find all past episodes as podcasts on the app. To download or update the app, search your app store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be on with you today. Welcome to What Concerns Us, a segment where we talk about some of the stories in the news that are concerning to us. Adrian, I've got a list. I don't know about you. I have uh, I have one thing. I have one thing. you got one thing. This is going to be the consistent theme here. I'm going to keep getting only one thing every every day. I was going to say you had one thing yesterday. One th- You're very steady and consistent. Praise God. I, however, am all over the board. Uh, okay, so uh, the big, the one thing, I, no, I have actually four things. But the first one thing I have that's concerning me is from Nigeria. I th- Nigeria is one of those... Uh, they, we, we see these stories that come out of Nigeria, and I feel like they go way underreported. And I just scream. I'm like, what is going on with the world that they're paying no attention to what is happening in some of these countries? And uh, it just saddens me. So I saw a story this morning out of Breitbart. Nigeria, Boko Haram claims mass kidnapping of hundreds of schoolboys. The article goes on to say that the Islamic terror group Boko Haram claimed responsibility on Tuesday for the kidnapping of nearly 700 students from a secondary school in northern Nigeria on December the 11th. So that was Friday? It was Friday? Now, I've seen a couple of conflicting reports on the number of, of boys that were kidnapped. I saw a, a story out of uh, Sky News Australia that limited the number down to 300, but this, this uh, article... Uh, over on Breitbart, lists that up almost to 700. It says the Nigerian militant group released a four-minute audio clip on Tuesday in which a man identifying himself as Boko Haram leader uh, Abu Akar Shakao said that he and his fellow jihadis were responsible for the abduction of an estimated 668 schoolboys in, uh, in a town in northern Nigeria over the weekend. Essentially, they brought in uh, they all came, the militants came in on uh, little like motorcycles or mopeds, a uh, hundred of them strong, like a huge, you know, I'm thinking a, this is Mad Max material here, right? They come riding in, blazing away with their AK-47s, 
and they round up the boys and then they usher them into the jungle, a story that is mm. all too common in Nigeria, unfortunately. Um, they say that uh, what happened was done to promote Islam and to discourage un-Islamic practices as Western education, and this is the terrorist speaking, by the way, uh, Western education is not the type of education permitted by Allah and his holy prophet. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, now, that's apparently, diabolical. Apparently there was a gun battle between uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Nigerian forces and this militant group. At least 17 of the students were rescued on Monday after a gun battle between military forces and the armed group, according to the governor's um, report. So uh, this is a long, long, another story and a very long history of Muslim terrorism going on in Nigeria. And still, I mean, the farmers there uh, have the, the, People in Nigeria have been suffering quite a bit at the hands of the herdsmen. I've reported on this before. I've had some interviews, several interviews with folks from from Nigeria to help us to better understand what what is going on there. And it is a a, a continuing tragic situation there that we must pray for. And mm-hmm. these poor people. Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, as a parent, I can't begin to think what it would be like to to be told that my child was kidnapped by a terrorist organization being held in the jungle. Um, when they kidnap the girls, they force them to marry, uh, convert to Islam, and to marry um, Islamic men. I mean, it's just my heart wrenches just with the thought of it. So pray for that situation. Absolutely. What's Absolutely. on your list? Well, just to, uh, to keep on the, uh, the concerning list, the going back to a little closer to home, um, I'm going to be talking about the defund the police, the results of that. So we had the whole defund the police uh, extravaganza the last few months. And now we're finally seeing the statistics that are coming out from that whole debacle. And mm. so a number of cities have actually defunded the police. And not, many did not, but many did. And so we have reports from a number from Portland, New York City, from Austin here back in Texas where we're at, Seattle, Los Angeles, and uh, and many more, but these uh, they they have uh, finally got out the statistics on the crime statistics from this year after they defunded the police. And I'm going to focus on Austin, so that's closer to home, uh, since we're in in Texas. We like to say that uh, Austin is fake diverse. They all talk about <laughs> diversity, but they don't. Act, they're not actually diverse. Do we say that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. You don't. Hang, I, you're I not a native Texan. I miss the memo. You're, okay. All these all these fake Houstonians. <laughs> Houstonians. Okay, <laughs> but. Um, we that's something we always say and i think it's something that it's interesting because you see houston is like one of the most diverse cities in america um but and we have the police and we get along with the police but in austin they just cut their funding mm. by 150 million dollars uh that's 34 percent of their entire budget wow yes and so after that happened they they uh they, oh, one other thing is they funneled a hundred thousand dollars of that money into abortion services so you know there's You're also that um, and but uh their crime statistics from september came out and 40 percent increase in murders from september of this year from september of last year wow. in october the increase jumped to 54 percent increase in murders uh, so we see just from looking at Austin alone, this numbers are similarly awful in the other cities. Um, but we see from Austin alone how the defunding the police campaign has caused nothing but bloodshed, 
literal bloodshed mm. and tears and this it's a, it's a terrible situation uh we should not be uh defunding the police and whenever people are talking about you know back the blue there's there's an ontological reason why we should do this as well as just a practical reason because there is a sense of authority that we we owe so even though i i mean i'll be honest i got pulled over by a police officer a few weeks ago for speeding and you know it was super annoying i was like oh my goodness okay great wonderful and I had a ticket, got to pay for it, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> but, you know, there's a sense of respect that uh, that officers of yes. law, even whenever they're not doing right. what you would prefer them to do, yeah. uh, even then, they still have a sense of respect because they are peace officers, yes. uh, which our Lord has a place for, the, for peace officers in his kingdom. You know, it, uh, here in Texas, I know it's not this way everywhere, but here in Texas, like I got pulled over, I don't know, um, I'm guessing it was a couple of years ago. Um, I got pulled over on a major highway, and we, we we went over to the shoulder on the left side. So cars are whizzing by on our right, and uh, the police officer gets out, and I was pretty nervous about that, you know. And he gets out, and I think it was because I didn't have a license plate on the front of my vehicle was why he pulled me over, which I didn't even you know realize. Right, Texans have to have uh, we have to have yeah. our license plates okay. on the front. And I'm not the a back. very good citizen because I didn't realize that was a thing, and I learned it that day. But I'm like, officer, please be careful. I mean, it's crazy out here. These cars are doing 90 miles an hour past us. <laughs> you know, I, you're making me nervous standing on the side of the highway like this. You know, <laughs> going 90 miles an hour while at the speed limit 75. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I've had to change a few tires, or like I had a bl- I blew an engine on my uh, my car a couple years ago too on the side of the road. It is exceedingly uh, nerve-wracking to be stuck on the side of the road when they're doing they're going so fast and there's been so many reports of of cars on their phones not paying attention and slamming into the backs of police vehicles so very 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 concerning so thank you police officers for your service i know it's not easy and i think it's worse in our climate where we begin to uh defund these organizations uh so that's kind of tragic to see all those reports of increased murder rates and, and crime. Right. We have to think about it because we, we often just look at these numbers and think about it as a statistic. Yeah. Uh, but we fail to realize that these are actual human lives that well, are lost. How about, the, how about the police officers that are walking off the jobs because they can't mm-hmm. do it anymore? Absolutely. They can't go to work, be asked to do the impossible, and deal with all of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the families, that uh, wives and, and families that have to see these uh, people off every day uh, when they go to, to do the impossible, face uh, the potential of being harmed or dying on the job and deal with the mm-hmm. uh, politics involved. It's like it becomes way too much of a burden. And there are many police officers who are retiring early uh, all over the country. And it is very, very sad, very tragic. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of other stories before we... We go to break. We're going to be talking with Robert Moynihan from Inside the Vatican in our guest segment in this hour. Uh, he is uh, an expert on Archbishop Vigano. We'll talk to him about uh, the Great Reset as well, um, because that's a, a topic that's been coming up more and more and more. I love the uh, homily from Cardinal Burke on Saturday. It was it was really, really good. You should Google and check that out. We'll probably post a link to it in the com box at facebook.com forward slash GRN online. But a couple of stories out I want to mention before we go. And these are these are good so- stories, actually. This is positive news. This is one from the Epic Times. Actually, two from the Epic Times today. Uh, court sides with churches 
reverses Nevada's COVID restrictions on House of Worship. Praise be to Jesus. You might recall we talked about this, I think, yesterday with Christopher Ferrara uh, from the St. Thomas More Society about uh, that case of Calvary Chapel versus Nevada. Calvary Chapel was wanting the same level that the casinos were enjoying as far as attendance goes. And Nevada said no. You know, casinos, yes. Churches, no. And they went all the way to the Supreme Court. And at the time, the Supreme Court uh, kicked it back, and, uh, and Calvary Chapel was, was sort of kicked to the curb. But now this article says the Ninth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals on Tuesday sided with two Nevada churches ruling that the state's COVID-19 restrictions on church attendance is unconstitutional. It goes on to say the decision comes after two churches, Calvary Chapel, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, the other one was um, Calvary Chapel in uh, Valley and uh, Leon County had earlier this year challenged the governor on limits of uh, worship, which currently sits at a maximum of 50 people or 25% of capacity, whichever is less. No, no, uh, doesn't matter, I guess, the size of the building or how many people can be at capacity, just 50. It seems very arbitrary, doesn't it? I mean, like yesterday, we we're talking about the, the uh, National Shrine up in Washington, D.C., which can hold thousands, and yet it, th- that is limited as well, which is why the Archdiocese in Washington, D.C., is suing the mayor there. This article goes on to say other businesses, including restaurants and casinos, are subject to 25% capacity, but no hard cap on people. No hard cap on people versus the churches are. The Ninth Circuit Court's decision reverses earlier federal court rulings that had upheld the state's restrictions on indoor worship services. The appellate court ordered the state to stop imposing the attendance caps on houses of worship that are less favorable than 25% of the fire code capacity. So I think that's a very good story. It's a very long article. You can read it. We'll link to it. Uh, But here's another one. Supreme Court strikes down New Jersey and Colorado church capacity limits. Again, very good news for religious liberty. Uh, It says the Supreme Court struck down pandemic-related limits on attendance at houses of worship in New Jersey and Colorado in two separate lawsuits on December the 15th. Um, It goes on to say, uh, we are getting very clear message from the United States Supreme Court that government cannot set up any rules that apply to places of worship or worship activities, but not to the other comparable secular activities. This is the very crux of religious discrimination and a blatant abuse of the United States Constitution and its amendments. So praise be to Jesus. That's good news for religious liberty. We need to fight for our rights because if we don't, we'll be in trouble and no one else will. Share the news about those cases far and wide. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back. We'll have more breaking news. And Robert Moynihan from Inside the Vatican. More of Catholic Drive Time is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that most modern philosophies are very dark and depressing? As G.K. Chesterton says, most people in our world today have been forced to be happy about the little things, but sad about the big ones. But that's not the way we were meant to be. We were meant to be joyful. Sadness is only an interlude. Praise should be the permanent pulsation of the soul. The Christian is able to deny himself immediate pleasures because there's great joy and fulfillment inside him. The pagan must constantly seek after pleasure because there's great sadness and emptiness inside him. Joy, which is the small publicity of the pagan, 
is the gigantic secret of the Christian. Let's share the secret. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be on with you this morning. Robert Mordehan from Inside the Vatican is going to be our guest here in just a few minutes, uh, but we have more breaking news here. We want to share with you more breaking news, the headline stories. But don't forget, if you're going to join us in the next hour, we'll not only have the Catholic Trivia Game Show with prizes involved, looking forward to that, and you could possibly win those prizes, and it's a lot of fun, to be honest, and you don't even need to know the right answers. We cover that for you as well, so it's just a good time. That's in the next hour. Plus, we'll be speaking with Maggie Green from the St. Monica Club. She published a book um, with Sophie Institute Press, How to Wait, Hope, and Pray for Your Fallen Away Loved Ones. Uh, I think it's one of the most uh, common prayer requests we have uh, here at the Guadalupe Radio Network is is on bringing lost loved ones home. So we're going to talk about that, have that conversation. How do you begin that process? Uh, What can we do? Maggie Green will be our guest in the next hour. But uh, right now, more breaking news and headlines with Adrian Fonseca. A pair of New Jersey gym owners are being fined $15,000 per day for refusing to comply with a state lockdown order. Ian Smith, the owner of Attilus Gym, told Fox News, quote, Governor Murphy has thrown everything he could possibly could to shut us down. He has arrested my partner and I, given us over 60 citations, some of them criminal. Our fines are totaling over $1.2 million. But every single day, Frank and I open our gym. Smith estimates that 84,000 people have worked out at that facility since the state resumed its lockdown in May. President-elect Joe Biden has chosen former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Peter Buttigieg to serve as his Secretary of Transportation. It confirmed by, by, if confirmed by the Senate, Buttigieg would be the first openly gay person approved as a cabinet secretary by the upper chamber. However, Critics have already voiced concern over whether Buttigieg has the background required for the job. A leading LGBT activist group is calling for the Biden administration to create accreditation regulations of religious schools that would enforce acceptance of so-called transgender rights. The pro-LGBT human rights campaign, HRC, issued its list of policy priorities for the incoming Biden administration. The Daily Signal reported on Monday, among its priorities, The group's blueprints for a positive change 2020 calls for the Education Department to update its regulations on school accreditation, including requiring religious schools to accommodate students based on their sexual orientation or gender identity. Currently, HRC says religious schools that discriminate or that do not meet science-based curricula standards could be approved by accreditation agencies, which could simply be following their mandate to, quote, respect the stated mission, end quote, of religious schools. Instead, HRC wants a new regulation for the education department to change that. 
Pope Francis has announced that Vatican that the Vatican is committed to net zero emissions by the year 2050. Speaking in a video message during the Virtual Climate Ambition Summit December 12th, the Pope said, quote, The time has come for a change of course. Let us not rob the new generation of hope in a better future, end quote. He also told summit participants that both climate change and the current pandemic disproportionately affect the lives of the poorest and the weakest in society. He stated, in quote, In this way, they appeal to our responsibility to promote with a collective commitment and solidarity a culture of care, which places human dignity and the common good at the center, end quote. These are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you, uh, Adrian, for reading the news today. Uh, again, Emily is out. We're praying for her to be back very soon. Uh, but joining us now by Zoom chat is Dr. Robert Moynihan. He is the founder and editor-in-chief of Inside the Vatican magazine. He is an American journalist who speaks five languages, a seasoned Vatican anal- analyst. He's earned his B.A. in English from Magnum Cum Laude, by the way, from Harvard, and has an M.A. and Ph.D. in medieval studies from Yale. Good morning, Dr. Moynihan. Dr. Moynihan, are you there? Very well, thank you. Can you hear me? Praise be to Jesus. Yes, I can hear you well. Can you hear me? Your sound is not that loud on my on my end, and I'm not sure how to make it louder. Well, let's just start this way. I'll speak up a little bit, but maybe you can start by telling us about Inside the Vatican Magazine. Uh, give us the background on your, on your magazine, why you started it, and uh, what you accomplished through that effort. Okay, I started it. Uh, when I was a young man in Rome studying uh, church history and working uh, on manuscripts in the Vatican Library. And I actually ran completely out of money and started to write articles to earn a living (laughs) because I was a student. During those years, I met people like Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger and uh, the prefect of the Vatican Library and... uh, Father Reginald Foster, who wrote the Latin for the Pope. And I was all excited by the uh, uh, meetings I was having and the little articles I was writing. Someone hired me to run the English edition of an Italian magazine, and I learned how to make a magazine almost by chance. And uh, I finished my degree, and the very day I sent in my dissertation to the United States, I went to uh, full-time work with this Italian magazine, which was covering Vatican affairs. And uh, I worked there for three years. There were disagreements between the Americans and the Italians. I left that job, and then I founded my own magazine because I knew how to make a magazine. So for 30 years every month, I've taken the news of the month and the way the church sees the world and the way the world sees the church and put it into a a magazine of 64 pages called Inside the Vatican, trying to explain the Vatican. And um, it's been a a task with three or four major phases. The first was, let's, let's consider the popes, John Paul II, whom I met and talked to, and his pontificate, which began in the 80s still with the Soviet Union and the great conflict between the West and, and, and the Soviets, then the unbelievable and astonishing collapse of the Soviet Union, which 
signed its own dissolution on Christmas Day, 1991. Uh, I was in Rome when, when Mikhail Gorbachev came to Rome in 1989. No one, there were people at that time that said the Soviets will remain for three or four hundred years. Mm. And therefore, we must make a, a, a lot of compromises with the communists. And John Paul always felt that, that, that there would be a kind of... Uh, uh, another path and a divine intervention and assistance and be coming from Poland. That was the sort of central vision he had in the first part of his pontificate. And then in the second part of his pontificate, he started to c confront and, 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 and be concerned about the, the West itself, which should have been the Christian West, but in fact became the post-Christian West and went to and entered more and more into a culture that he called the culture of death. Yeah. And so no longer it was the Soviets, but this culture of death, this problem of the family, of, of, of the dignity of human life, the question of abortion. And these issues were uh, prominent during the second part of his pontificate until he died in 2005. Mm. Then Joseph Ratzinger became Pope Benedict XVI, I had known him and spoken to him many times. So I devoted those years, which were in, interesting years for me, to reporting on his pontificate. And never did I find any man who was more falsely and unjustly criticized by the world's media than, than Pope Benedict. Wow. He Big was statement. always laughed at, mocked, described as, a, as an intellectual with a kind of dangerous authoritarian streak when in fact he was a, a professor a, a theologian a thoughtful man and a very kind man who uh, should have who wished really to to, to be a writer and uh, almost almost a librarian he asked to be the librarian he asked John Paul let me be the librarian and he, he took on the task of being the Pope of our church and he was often disobeyed, he was often criticized, even made fun of, and uh, he finally decided to resign. Mm. That was the most sort of uh, unexpected and shocking moment of my career, and I'm still evaluating that. I'm working on that question right now, and uh, he's still alive today after the 2013 conclave. Pope Francis has been the pope. And he's still the Pope now. But um, Pope Benedict resigned partly for physical reasons that he couldn't carry out the task, but he's still alive after yes. seven and a half years. So he could have been Pope all of these years if he had found a way to have people help him, uh, if he had cut back on the foreign trips, but that was not to be. So we've had this new pontificate, and this one has been praised very much by the world in general, the world media. He's reached out and made new contacts with many of the great powers of our time. He's just had meetings recently with, yes? I'm going to have you hold that thought right there. we got to go to a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to continue our conversation with Robert Moynihan. 
the editor of Inside the Vatican. We're going to ask him about uh, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano as well. He has uh, a great relationship with Archbishop Vigano. And who is Vigano? What is he all about? And we'll have him comment on all, all of that on the other side of the break. So don't go anywhere. More Catholic Drive Time is coming up next. Unbelievers often reject religion because it sometimes causes conflict. They'll say, science will fly you to the moon, religion will fly you into buildings. Is this a rational basis for rejecting religion? The answer is no, and here's the reason. First, just because something causes conflict doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. For example, many wars have been fought over land. Does this mean we should do away with the right to private property? I don't think so. Second, the objection doesn't specify which religions cause war. It may belong to the essence of some religions to spread its message by the sword, and these we should reject, but it doesn't belong to all religions. So to the question, should I reject religion because it causes conflict? The answer is no. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to learn about a great Catholic saint. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the lives of the saints? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. We're speaking with Robert Moynihan from Inside the Vatican. Uh, a lifelong experience here, wonderful. I have to have to have this opportunity to talk about the Vatican and kind of uh, what we feel in many cases is the shenanigans that go on there. But part of that experience over the past couple of years uh, has been Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, and uh, of course. Uh, Dr. Moynihan, you have a great relationship with Vigano. Can you tell us, uh, we've got about 10 minutes left in our time together. Can you tell us, who is this man, Vigano? Not what the headlines have said or the talking heads have said for or against, but who is he really? Yes, I know Archbishop Vigano very well. Uh, He trusted me to tell me where he was, and I went to visit him. I've known him for 10 years. I've asked him many times for insight to explain what you just called the shenanigans in the church, and he's discussed it quite frankly with me. He's he's um, 79 years old. He'll turn 80 in January. Mm. He's been retired since he was 75. He was one of the top men in the Vatican diplomatic corps. He was also one of the top men in the hierarchy in Rome itself, in Vatican City. Mm -hmm. He rose to about the fifth or sixth spot in the Vatican hierarchy so that all the information that was coming to Rome about religious orders, about Catholic professors and universities, about political conditions and new laws in countries around the world— would come to his desk. It was he who would evaluate these things and then send up proposals and memorandums to the Secretary of State and to the Pope himself. Mm. He worked in this 
position under both John Paul II and Pope Benedict, and that toward the end of Benedict's reign, he was asked to take the prestigious job of being the Vatican's nuncio or ambassador to the United States of America, to Washington. So in a sense, a representative of the great spiritual power, which is the Catholic Church from Rome, was sent to America, to the Washington, to the capital city, to the great temporal power, and that was Vigano's specific, uh, that was the conclusion of his career. He came in when the uh, Obama and Biden presidency was underway, and he left America after five years to retire back in Italy uh, just before Trump was elected in 2016. Mm. So what he was very much aware of were the culture wars in the United States and the, uh, the, the problems that the church faces today, and I think even one of your commercials mentioned it, the attack on religion and on the faith as a, as a reason for conflict, and the fact that the message of Jesus Christ is so increasingly criticized, and the teachings of the church, both by the world, but even by groups within the church itself. So most of these years, he was a outstanding man inside the structure with a very thoughtful mind, a very careful man of the desk, let's say, mm. working from seven in the morning until seven at night, getting all the information, reading it carefully, speaking himself five or six languages. You know, it's said the Vatican diplomatic corps is one of the most highly trained in the world. And it's the result of 2,000 years of history. I'm quite impressed by many of the officials. The church has declined in some ways as it's become a little less disciplined, but it remains a tremendous reservoir of experience and uh, Vigano was one of the chief examples of that. He was highly respected by his superiors. They thought he was uh, thoughtful and, and clear-minded. However, in recent years, the progressive groups in the church have become stronger. Vigano is a more traditional-minded Catholic. Uh, he, he told me things, even funny things, like that John Paul II, when he held the meeting in Assisi, bringing all the different uh, representatives of religions together, allowed certain things to occur that perplexed people, like uh, even though they did keep things separate, there was no common prayer of Catholics to, to other uh, religious entities or divinities there was there wasn't that hmm. but there were things that were perplexing like statues placed on altars and he said we looked at each other as as officials <laughs> under the pope and we looked at each other and says what is he doing hmm. and um so the vatican officials watch what the top officials decide and what they do and the vatican is under pressure from great currents in the world from the big money from the big uh, science, and those people would like either to neutralize the church, and therefore, that is, lessen the moral authority of the church, or they would like to alter the church's teaching, get the church to agree with them. And each thoughtful Catholic has to decide to what extent they, they take a stand. 
Finally, Vigano decided he was going to take a stand and speak the truth both about abuse matters in the church, the, particularly the McCarrick case. He knew McCarrick very well because McCarrick had been the Archbishop of Washington. Mm. He had been receiving reports, rumors, allegations, concerns for 10 or 15 years. He himself had seen those come across his desk when he was a staff man in the Vatican, written memorandums saying, we must take care of this, it's going to cause a great scandal. But uh, the people around Pope J uh, John Paul II and Pope Benedict, for different reasons, didn't take dramatic action against McCarrick. Most of all because McCarrick was such a capable man, he himself was hardworking. McCarrick is still alive today. Mm -hmm. He's no longer a priest. He's been removed from the College of Cardinals. Therefore, we might rightly say he's Mr. McCarrick. He's not Cardinal McCarrick. Yeah. And his case, in a sense, is one of the great tragedies of our time. I've met McCarrick, and, but he did work hard. He would get up at 5 or 6 in the morning and work until 10 or 11 at night. He had contacts in the Democratic Party. He was close to Joe Biden. Mm. He had contacts in the State Department of the United States. When he would do work for the church and go to China, he would also be connecting up with the U.S. government. So McCarrick was a figure that was hard to pull out of the structure of the church without causing waves. This, I think, was the primary reason. He had a certain protection due to his talent, his intelligence, his importance, his connection with financial powers. We're talking with Robert, Robert Moynihan, Dr. Robert Moynihan from the Inside the Vatican about uh, Vigano and McCarrick. And uh, we have about uh, three and a half minutes left in our time together, uh, Dr. Moynihan. I would love to ask you about some of the uh, the criticisms of Vigano to give him uh, maybe get, get some insight there on how on how we might think of these things. For instance, uh, all the images of Vigano hanging out with uh, Cardinal McCarrick or, or speaking fondly of him at uh, gala dinners, those came out early on in 2018 after the initial uh, letters from Archbishop Vigano were reported. So how do we take those? And, uh, and then, of course, there's this most recent report that's come out about uh, Archbishop Vigano employing a a priest who is caught up in a sex abuse scandal out of a, a seminary. How might we respond to those things? Dr. Robert Moynihan, what say you? Well, I say there, Vigano was part of a system. He was obedient to his superiors. His superiors did not take precise and uh, completely consistent action against McCarrick. So there were, uh, McCarrick was told, not ordered. He was advised, not um, commanded, uh, to no longer travel, to no longer make public appearances. But he himself disagreed with that. And when he, uh, when he, uh, when Benedict became sort of increasingly weak at the end of his pontificate, and when Francis came in and said, uh, "McCarrick can be of some use to me and to my diplomacy," uh, Vigano, as a servant of of his superiors was not able to order McCarrick not to appear at a meeting, and so he acted in a, in a uh, collegial way when McCarrick did show up at a couple of occasions, and this was because of a lack of consistency at the very top of the church, and it is a problem. I don't think Vigano himself is to blame for that, and in regard to the... Uh, 
to more, the more recent uh, the questions raised in the McCarrick report about Vigano's action itself, I feel the McCarrick report twists things around to make it appear that Vigano did something wrong. I've talked to Vigano about those allegations. He says he did take uh, interest in every allegation and every request to investigate that came to him. And I think there's something that isn't complete now, even about that report. I think there are cases that have still never come to light. In fact, I know that. Mm. And uh, Vigano's name is mentioned 306 times in the McCarrick report. It is as if the report was addressed to discrediting him. Um, Okay. Well, that music means we've got to go. (laughs) So we've run out of time. Dr. Robert Moynihan from Inside the Vatican, we're grateful for your time. We'd love to have you back and maybe continue our conversation in uh, maybe the next few weeks or in January. It'd be wonderful. Thank you for your time today. Well, thank you, Joe, so much. And a pleasure to be here. All right. God bless you. And that's going to do it for Hour 1 of Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Great conversation there. If you're going to join us in the second hour, we're looking forward to that. Not only do we have a great interview coming up with Maggie Green about the St. Monica Club, how to win, how to wait, hope, and pray for your fallen away loved ones. But also, we have a great uh, uh, game show segment there with Catholic Trivia. You could win some prizes. We want you to be a part of that. It's fun. You're going to learn something, I promise. And you don't even need to know the answers to the questions. All that coming up the next hour of Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. God love you. We'll see you on the other side. We'll be right back. for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Moral relativists think moral absolutes don't exist because cultures differ in their moral beliefs. But is this a rational inference? The answer is no, and here's the reason. You see, it confuses moral epistemology, the accurate knowledge of moral truths, with moral ontology, the existence of moral truths. Differing moral opinions have to do with knowledge of moral truths, or lack thereof, not their existence. 
Furthermore, if we say absolute moral truths don't exist because cultures disagree on them, well then we're going to have to deny the existence of absolute cosmological truths because scientists disagree about them. But we don't want to do that because we might end up denying the objective shape of our planet and its relation to the sun. Differing moral beliefs, therefore, doesn't negate moral absolutes. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. We have got some good news. The new version of the Guadalupe Radio Network app is out now. The new version offers big improvements with even more on the way. You'll be able to find and listen to your station no matter where you are and switch between our English and Spanish stations with ease. Missed your favorite GRN show? You can find all past episodes as podcasts on the app. To download or update the app, search your app store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be on with you. Praise be to Jesus. Good morning to you. How was your day? I pray it is really, really good. I'm going to have a great program lined up this hour for you. Now, Emily Alcarez is not with us again today. She's not feeling well, so please keep her in your prayers. We'd be very grateful to you. But Adrian Fonseca, our producer, is here. Good morning, Adrian. Morning. It's good to be here. Praise Jesus. By now, you're you're a seasoned veteran at reading the news. Are you excited about that? I'm basically an expert now. I think uh, CNN should pick me up to uh, read their news. CNN. CNN, you know, the, okay. the most trusted name in news. Okay. You know? Interesting choice. Interesting <laughs> choice. Not the one I would choose, but okay. Uh, praise Jesus. Going to have a fun show this hour. We have, of course, Fear and Trembling, which is always a good time. Uh, isn't it true, Adrian, that your 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 parents want to know why you keep getting the wrong answers? Yeah, the, the first show, uh, my dad texted me. He was like, "Hey, Adrian, why why do you keep getting the answers wrong?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, all that they've invested in your education and helping you to get a bachelor's degree in theology, and still you can't answer the questions. I mean, uh, money well spent, I guess. To be fair, I mean, we don't go over in in theology class how many bells are rung in the high mass. I mean, come on, like that's not not the typical question you get. Not the typical. We got we have. A a, a good. I have the hot. I got the questions right here, right here, right here in my hot little hands, and one of them I guarantee there's no way you're going to get that one right. Well, I mean, I guess we'll find out, won't we? Uh, yeah. But absolutely, we need a uh, contestant. So if if someone would like to call in, uh, we are giving away a bundle of children Christmas books uh, today uh, or on Friday rather to one lucky winner. So please, if you uh, are wanting to win this for possibly a niece, nephew, son, daughter, uh, then please call in 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. So call in in the next uh, few minutes, and we'll take the first caller to join us on the show. Yeah, 877-757-9424. First caller gets uh, to be the contestant in the pro- in the game show today coming up in just a few minutes. We finished a great conversation with Robert Moynihan uh, from Inside the Vatican in the last hour. If you haven't caught that, if you didn't listen to it, if you weren't with us, don't worry. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you can find the podcast of today's program right there. So great resource. 
grnonline.com forward slash CDT. In this hour, not only do we have the game show and the prizes involved there, uh, but also later in the show, we'll be speaking with Maggie Green. She has a book out with Sophia Institute Press called The St. Monica Club, How to Wait, Hope, and Pray for Your Fallen Away Loved Ones. It's one of the most common prayer requests we get is uh, to pray for uh, children, adult children to come back to the faith, loved ones, you know, spouses, friends, family members to come back into the faith. And we're going to talk about how to do that. What can we do? What are the options? What do we what uh, what do we have at our disposal? And Maggie Green will be able to uh, help shed some light on that. All of that coming up. And have I mentioned the game show? 877-757-9424. It's fun and you don't even need to know the right answers. Trust me, uh, it's a 50-50 shot. Uh, we're going to ask Adrian and probably David today at 877-757-9424. And now let's uh, draw our intentions, our prayers together so we can begin. So whatever's on your plate, whatever you're facing today, whatever's uh, challenging and troubling you uh, on your mind, on your heart, uh, let's bring that together. Let's unite our intentions and bring them to the Queen of Heaven and Earth, that she may whisper them into the ear of her Son, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now the headlines with Adrian Fonseca. The Supreme Court vacated a ruling on Colorado church restrictions. The Supreme Court accepted a church's appeal against coronavirus restrictions in the state of Colorado on Tuesday, even after the governor reclassified churches to stop the rules applying. High Plains Harvest Church in Eaton, Colorado, had appealed to the Supreme Court for relief from the state's capacity limits on indoor religious services during the pandemic. Colorado had limited attendance at houses of worship to just 50 people in certain areas where the virus was spreading acutely. However, on December 7th, the state reclassified houses of worship as critical businesses, thus exempting them from the 50-person capacity restriction. Hungary has legally defined the family as having a mother and a father. On Tuesday, Hungary's parliament passed a law defining the family as having a woman as the mother and a man as the father, effectively banning adoptions by same-sex couples and complicating adoptions by single people. The change is the latest of several to be made in recent years, and what the government has said are attempts to preserve Hungary's Christian identity and to boost its plummeting birth rates. The Hungarian government also stated offering financial incentives for couples in the country to marry and have children, including subsidized loans to those who marry before the bride's 41st birthday. Foreign hackers may be running rampant in the U.S. government. Reuters sources said a group backed by a foreign government stole data from the Treasury Department and the Internet Policy-Focused NTIA. While details are still limited, it was reportedly serious enough to prompt a National Security Council meeting at the, at the White House on December 12th. Reporter Chris Bing said on Twitter that the attackers took emails from both agencies. Intelligence officials were concerned that the hackers use a similar method to breach other government bodies, the tipster said. National Security Council spokesman John Ouellette said the government was aware of reports and was 
taking all necessary steps to pinpoint and resolve any security issues. An art teacher is defending the Vatican's controversial nativity scene. Since it was unveiled last Friday, the Vatican's nativity scene in St. Peter's Square has elicited many negative reactions on social media. But Marcello Mancini, a teacher at the Art Institute where the ceramic nativity set was made, defended it, telling CNA that, quote, Many art critics have appreciated this work over the, nativities, uh, over, the, over the years. I'm sorry about the reactions that people, are, that people don't like it, he said, emphasizing that it is a nativity scene that must be framed in the historical period in which it was produced. Mancini explained that the ceramic display is rich in symbols and, signifies, and signifiers that offer a non-traditional reading of the nativity scene, end quote. These are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Adrian, for uh, filling in for Emily and reading the news. We're very grateful to you. St. Adelaide of Burgundy, France, pray for us. Born in 931, uh, she was the princess, the daughter of King Rudolf, Rupert II in Upper Burgundy. At the age of two years old, she was already promised in marriage to uh, Lothar of Italy. Now, she wasn't married until 16, but still, two. Wow. Uh, at 16, she married Lothar, and he became the king of Italy. In 950, while she was still a teenager, uh, Lothar died, leaving her a, a, a widow. But uh, his, his enemy is the one suspected to have poisoned him to death. Uh, Baron Jarius, he he ordered Adelaide to marry his son to sort of solidify power on the Italian peninsula, but she refused to her credit, and she was placed in prison. Now, it would be the great German King Otto that would come to her rescue to the defeat Baron Jarius, and then, of course, they would be married in 952, and they would be uh, married for 20 years. Could you imagine? Praise be to Jesus, 20 years. Now, she again would be married, uh, widowed when uh, Otto would die, leaving her stepson, Otto II, and his wife, Theofano, to rule Italy. Now, the two of them didn't really care for Adelaide, and so she was kind of persecuted in many ways. It was a very soft way, sort of put out, and she separated herself from court intentionally, uh, just sort of quietly retiring a bit. But it would be when Otto II passes away and that Theophano really pushed her away even further, exiling her uh, completely from court to ensure that she would have no uh, effect on their very infant son, who would one day become the king of Italy, Otto III. But Theophano dies, and Adelaide has to come back. There's no one left. So she comes back to care for Otto III until he is old enough to take the reign of power. But... Adelaide uses her opportunity in a very powerful way. She doesn't just squander the chance. She doesn't just, you know, relish in the goodness of, of God providing for the wealth of, of her court or what have you, but rather she uses it to care for the poor, to evangelize, to bring catechumens and catechists into the church to bring these con converts, right? That's, that's the mission of our church. That's what Jesus said in Matthew's gospel. She also builds monasteries, and she cares for those that are destitute, especially among the Slavs. 
And she would eventually, when Anna III takes over the reins of power, she would go into quiet retirement, living as a nun, although never becoming a nun, and of course never marrying again. She spent her days in prayer and in fasting, and she gives us a heroic and virtuous example. St. Adelaide of Burgundy, pray for us. And our gospel today comes from Luke chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 18, going to 23. At that time... John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? When the men came to the Lord, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask you, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? At that time, Jesus cured many of their diseases, sufferings, and evil spirits. He also granted sight to many who were blind. And Jesus said to them in reply, Go tell John what you have seen and what you have heard. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. The poor have the good news proclaimed to them, and blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. The Gospel of the Lord. Uh, I love in this passage... I, I think every day I say that. I think I've said this three days in a row now. It's like I glance over this uh, these gospel passages and uh, I don't look deep enough into them. And this is one where I think it can be too often inferred that John is doubting here. John the Baptist is somehow doubting the Lord. And so he sends his disciples to get a clear understanding. Have you ever gotten that sense, Adrian? Absolutely. I kind of, uh, I thought the same thing when I first looked at it. I looked at it and I was like, isn't it kind of strange that, uh, he would confess our Lord at the baptism, but then deny him uh, yeah, whenever right. he's in prison. It seems yeah. kind of kind of crazy, if you ask me. So at the visitation, John the Baptist receives a, a, a grace while he's still in in utero. Uh, he leaps in the womb of his mother at the reception of this grace. The very sound of Our Lady's voice causes him to leap, and he receives this grace. It's, it's pretty powerful. And then, of course, when he baptizes Jesus, he receives the grace of witnessing the Holy Spirit come down in the form of a dove hovering up, uh, over our Lord, and the Lord saying, this is my Son, my beloved Son, whom, in whom I am well pleased. Uh, so he receives all those graces, but somehow, some way, he now doubts and doesn't know whether or not Jesus is the Lord. Right. And I, I gave a uh, analysis from one of the church fathers at the first hour, and I wanted to give a different one in this hour. I was looking at a different church father. St. Ambrose actually gives another unique uh, look at this passage and what it means here. Because he says, it's, it'd be very strange, because he makes the same point that we're making. He says, it would be very weird. It'd be presumptuous if he didn't actually know that Jesus was the Son of God and then confess that he was earlier. And then, or, and it would be uh, a sin of doubt if now he decided, you know what, actually, maybe he isn't the son of God. So yeah. either way, it's, it doesn't make sense. And yeah. so Ambrose reconciles this by saying, you know, maybe it's like the same way Peter, mm. whenever he uh, said, be it far from you, Lord, that this shall be done to you, referring to his death. It's not a, a doubt of his divinity. Mm. It's a, it's a curiosity in his piety. He's doubting that he, that our Lord will die, not that he is the Lord, but that he will die. Yeah, I, I think part of what goes on here when we read sacred scripture and we begin to impose doubts that 
aren't necessarily there. I think I think we do the same thing to St. Joseph, right? Uh, we just assume he's an old man who had been previously married and had children. We can't imagine a young man who would engage in a marriage uh, that uh, wasn't going to produce children um, and would just be a guardian protector. Why would someone want to do that? That kind of concept. We talked about that with Father Calloway previously, and he's going to be on next week. Maybe he'll address that again as well. However, I think we impose some of these things on sacred scripture because we're looking at them from our own experience as as fallen, concupiscent human beings. And we think to ourselves, of course, I would doubt. Of course, I would struggle. Of course, I wouldn't do that, or I would do this. And then we sort of put that burden on these people in sacred scripture and assume that that seems to, uh, to, to jive. When I think if we looked carefully, we might see, because Je- Jesus' own response here uh, about the, the blind seeing, the lame walking, lepers healed, evil spirits kicked out, and even the dead are raised, and the, and the deaf can hear. This goes back to Isaiah 35, Isaiah 61 where in the, the the coming visitation of the Messiah, these would be the signs that would accompany that. The blind would see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk, lepers will be uh, healed, and so forth and so on. So Jesus is reaffirming to these disciples sent by John that, in fact, he is the Messiah. But I believe what's really going on here uh, is my pure speculation on my part, so take it for what it's worth. But I think John is not doubting at all. I think rather he is sending his disciples because he knows he must decrease and Jesus must increase, and he's about to lose his head. So here, you guys, it's time for you to know for yourselves and to follow Jesus for who he really is. Go and ask him. He'll tell you. So That's what I think is going on. I think that was great. And unfortunately, we need to go to a break. But before <laughs> we go to a break, I, I'm just saying we I'm looking at the call list. And right now we have no callers for the game show. Our game show starts in two minutes. So if you call now, what's good news for you that we have no calls? Because if you call now, 877-757-9424, you will be the guest if you call now. So we have no guests right now. So we're heading to break. Uh, if you call now, 877-757-9424, you will be the guest on our show and can win some prizes. All right, we're going to go to break. We're going to come back with Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where you might win some prizes. It's fun. It's super easy. You don't even need to know uh, the answers to the questions. Trust me, you're going to have a great time. All that coming up on the other side of this break at 877-757-9424. More Catholic Drive Times coming up next. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read Scripture. Read the Catechism. Listen to Apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic Radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes, and he got into 
tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome to uh, Fear and Tribbling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show. Uh, where you get to work out your salvation and fear and trembling. It's a good time. Trust me, it's a good time. But we completely stole that idea from St. Paul in Philippians 2.12. Now, uh, Emily has been out. So uh, David Magianis has been stepping up and stepping in. So good morning, David. Good morning. It's good to have you on the show again. Yeah, uh, thank you for inviting me. Yesterday you did such a good job. I'm glad you're back. Now, uh, of course, we looked at your resume. You're an expert in church history and <laughs> theology and philosophy. And, lit- and liturgy. And liturgy and uh, anthropology. I don't know how many Everything else, man. I can throw in there. And you but... know, uh, I just wanted to say we had five callers come in during that break. So praise God. Yes. Uh, if you did not get uh, chosen because uh, we took the first caller, we encourage you to call back. We want we need guests for every day, so please call back you'll be maybe you'll be the guest for tomorrow yeah praise be to jesus now this week uh we have uh, prizes being offered and uh, we'd love to say tell them what you're going to win emily but she's not in (laughs) but uh, it's isaiah books that have donated generously a bundle of christmas books for children and they're going to mail them to you directly isaiahbooks.co.uk is the uh, website for our sponsor this week. And so this is how it works. Uh, we have three questions, three opportunities to go into the cup, the, the coffee cup of divine providence, which sits on our console over there. And every right answer gets an entry into the drawing. We'll pull out a winner on Friday and they will get the bundle of Christmas books from isaiahbooks.co.uk, which we are very grateful for. So, but here's the kicker, right? So, the caller does not even need to know the right answers to these questions. So we're not going to ask the caller the questions. We're going to ask you, David, and you, Adrian, the questions. One of you will have a correct answer, and one of you will have an incorrect answer. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who's right, who's wrong, and then, uh, and then we'll we'll decide we'll we'll have a we'll have a cheer or we'll have a gasp as to which is if they get it right or wrong. But uh, it's pretty easy, fifty fifty shot. And so let's jump on the phones. Uh, Janie from San Antonio, good morning to you. Good morning. 
Praise Jesus. Thanks for uh, being our contestant today on Fear and Trembling. Uh, are you uh, are you driving? I can I can hear. So hopefully, uh, hopefully everything's fine. You're safe. There's not going to be anybody going to get hurt today with the excitement of you winning some uh, potential prizes today. So, but to give God some praise today for the opportunity to possibly win some of these cool prizes from IsaiahBooks.co.uk. We're very grateful to them. But Janie, do you understand the rules? Are you ready to go? I'm ready. All right. Praise be to Jesus. All right. We're going to start with uh, David Magianis because he's sitting in Emily's chair, and that's how we always go. This one, this is going to be the hardest one, David, right here. All right. Are okay. You ready? I, are you ready? I'm ready. Adrian, are you ready? I'm ready as I ever be. Janie, are you ready? I'm ready, too. All right. Here we go. Mary has how many days of official feasts in the calendar of the church? How many Marian feast days are there on the church's calendar? There's quite a few. It's quite a few, and we've already we've celebrated a few here recently. Immaculate Conception was one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, I'm going to say fourteen. Four, fourteen. Fourteen. That fourteen. Wow. Well, you you said that pretty quickly. It's pretty pretty confident answer there. I, I was counting. You know, took off one shoe too. All right. <laughs> so, so you're so. on the books for fourteen. All right, Adrian. Uh, you have. Uh, you got an answer there. How many Marian feast days are How there? How many Marian the feast days? Calendar? Hi, hi. That's a, definitely a question I don't know the answer to. Um, I'm going to go. Um, just trying. I'm trying to run through all the ones that I can think of in the top of my head, and I'm thinking nine. nine. I'm going to go guess nine. You're guessing nine. Yes. All right. This is admittedly a tough question. I didn't know until I cheated and looked at the answer. So here what? we go. Uh, David is on the board for fourteen. Adrian is on the board for nine. Well, Janie, what say you? You got 15 seconds to decide who is right, who is wrong. Janie, what's your answer? I'm going to go with David. You're going with David. Are you sure about that? I'm sure. <laughs> Survey says. Congratulations. Wow. That was a tough one. That was that was admittedly a tough one. Yeah. Uh, they only get easier from here. Praise be to Jesus. Are you sure? They only get easier. From yes. Here. Okay. <laughs> that was hard. They go they go into super easy mode at this point on. So uh, congratulations, Shani. You're in the coffee cup of divine providence already. You may win the prizes now, but uh, you get two more chances to increase your opportunity. How's that sound? Praise God. All right, uh, Adrian, we're going to start with you this time. Awesome. Another very easy question. St. Bernard wrote what famous prayer to Mary? St. Bernard. Okay. Um, I think I know this. All the time. I think I know this. I think it's the Memorare. I think that's the that's the one. You sure? Uh, I could be wrong. I know he wrote a Marian him uh-huh. and I know it's one of the famous ones. It's either a Memorare Salve, and I'm going to go with Memorare. Salve, yes. Salve Regina. No, I'm not, I'm not gonna no please I'm not don't. Gonna please okay. stop. So you're you, you're <laughs> on the board for the Memorare. I'm on the board for Memorare. All right, David, it's up to you. A Saint Bernard wrote what famous prayer to Mary? That's a tough one. Uh, no, this is an easy one. Th- th- these are easy. This one's easy. Wow. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, go go what uh, Adrian was saying earlier. Salve. I think salve. it's Salve. You're yeah. on the board for Salve. Yes. A beautiful yes. prayer, by the way. 
Uh, I know. The Hail Holy Queen. Can you give us a little piece of that? Uh, no, I already did. No, okay. Please, right. no we, more. We can't go back there. <laughs> okay. I can't afford the psychological counseling our listeners would need. All right, so David is on the board for the Salve. Uh, Adrian is on the board for the Memorare. Uh, who's right? Who's wrong? Janie, what say you? You got 15 seconds. Janie, are you there? <laughs> uh, yes, he said Adrian. You said Adrian. Adrian. Survey says... Wow! That's two for two so far. Know. Two for two. I think we're doing this a little too easy. Right? How are the people getting these everybody's answers right? Everybody's getting right answers these days. Like, we've had perfect scores for the past, I don't know, three days. Or That's whatever. right. We have, haven't we? So, uh, oh, Jane, my goodness. You're one question away from a perfect game. Uh, how, are you excited about that? I'm excited. Praise be to Jesus. Praise be to Jesus. Laos TB Christe, as we say in Latin. Okay, here we go. Third question. Third question. Uh, we're going back to you, David, this time. Again, a super easy question this right, time. Make it easy. Voluntary poverty, perpetual chastity, and perfect obedience are called what? Wow, that's not, I was reading about this the other day, and... Uh, uh, I, I think it's evangel- evangelical councils. Wait, you read? I read sometimes. Wow. Yes. Who knew? Who knew? All right, so evangelical councils. Yeah, I think I think that's it. The uh, evangelical councils. I think that's it. Okay, Adrian. Voluntary poverty, perpetual chastity, and perfect obedience are called what? Uh, so these are the the vows that religious take. So I'm going to say they're religious vows. Religious vows. You're on the board for religious vows. Yes, sir. Are you sure? I am sure. And and David, you're on the board for evangelical councils. Yes, sir. All right. Who's right? Who's wrong? Janie, you got 15 seconds to decide. What say you? David. David. Survey says? Wow. Whoa. That's a three for three score. Praise wow. be to Jesus Christ. That's another perfect score, Janie. You're in the a coffee cup of divine providence for three tries at winning the prize. Thanks to our uh, our generous our generous uh, sponsor this week is Isaiah Books. They're giving away a, a bundle of Christmas books for children. IsaiahBooks.co.uk is their website. But Friday we'll pull out a name, and Janie, it could be yours. It could be yours. So you you need to roll your window down, stick your head out, and shout Laos TB Christe as loud as you can. <laughs> just, just give God some praise. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, stay on the line, Janie. We need to get your contact information in case you're the winner so we can con- call you back and uh, congratulate you. But uh, thank you for being on the show today. We're so grateful to you. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Praise be to Jesus. Congratulations to, uh, to Janie for... Getting into the uh, the coffee cup three times. What? How exciting is that? We'll have another opportunity tomorrow on the uh, the game show prize. So make sure you tune in for that. But more coming up after the break. We have breaking news and stories. Plus our conversation with Maggie Green about bringing family back. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child and wondering what Santa would bring? In many developing countries like Haiti, most children don't make Christmas lists and they don't expect Christmas gifts. Often, every penny their parents earn must go to their basic needs like food, shelter, and water.
Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's great to be on with you. Uh, a lot of fun in the uh, the game show. That's always a good time. We're learning a little bit about our faith, a little bit at a time. Plus, we give out prizes. We have a laugh or two. I enjoy that segment quite a bit. But uh, coming up here in just a few minutes, we're going to have a great conversation with Maggie Green from the St. Monica Club. It's a book published by Sophia Institute Press, How to Wait, Hope, and Pray for Your Fallen Away Loved Ones. So that conversation is coming up in just a few minutes. But first, we have more breaking stories and news with uh, Adrian Fonseca. A pair of New Jersey gym owners are being fined $15,000 per day for refusing to comply with state lockdown orders. Ian Smith, the owner of Attilus Gym, told Fox News, quote, Governor Murphy has thrown everything he possibly could to shut us down. He has arrested my partner and I, given us over 60 citations, some of them criminal. Our fines are totaling over $1.2 million. But every single day, Frank and I open our gym, end quote. Smith estimates that 84,000 people have worked, at, have worked out at the facility since the state resumed its lockdown in May. President-elect Joe Biden has chosen former South Bend, Indiana, Mayor Pete Buttigieg to serve as his Secretary of Transportation. If confirmed by the Senate, Buttigieg would be the first openly gay person approved as a cabinet secretary by the upper chamber. However, critics have already voiced concern over whether Buttigieg has the background required for the job. A leading LGBT activist group is calling for the Biden administration to create accreditation regulations of religious schools that would enforce acceptance of so-called transgender rights. The pro-LGBT human rights campaign, HRC, issued its, li- its list of policy priorities for the incoming Biden administration. The Daily Signal reported on Monday, among its priorities, the group's blueprint for positive change 2020 calls for the education departments to update its regulations on school accreditation, including requiring religious schools to accommodate students based on their sexual orientation or gender identity. Currently, HRC says religious schools that discriminate or that do not meet science-based curricula standards could be approved by accredited agencies which could simply be following their mandate to, quote, respect the state admission, end quote, of religious schools. Instead, HRC wants a new regulation from the Education Department to change that. Pope Francis has announced the Vatican is committed to net zero emissions by the year 2050. Speaking in a video message during the Virtual Climate Ambition Summit December 12th, the Pope said, quote, The time has come for a change of course. Let us not rob the new generations of a hope in a better future. End quote. He also told the summit participants that, that both climate change and the current pandemic disproportionately affect the lives of the poorest and weakest in society. He stated, quote, in this way, they appeal to our responsibility to promote with a collective commitment and solidarity, a culture of care which places human dignity and the common good at the center. These are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ and all things. Thank you, Adrian, for reading the news for us. Uh, by the way, dear listener, if you haven't caught the first hour, we had a great conversation with Dr. Robert Moynihan from Inside the Vatican. You can catch the podcast version of the show over at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. 
uh, great place to get the podcast. But you can always catch us on Facebook, YouTube, and on Twitter. Just search for us for at GRN Online. Uh, joining us now by phone is the author of The St. Monica Club, How to Wait, Hope, Pray, for your fallen away loved ones, published by Sophia Institute Press, Maggie Green. Good morning, Maggie. Maggie Green. Hold on. Maggie Green, one more time. Hello. Praise God. I knew we'd get it to work eventually. Good morning. Thanks for being on the program today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Good morning to all of you. Uh, it's one of the most common prayer requests we receive at the Guadalupe Radio Network in particular is prayers for our fallen away loved ones, especially adult children uh, who have left the faith. A very common prayer request. So tell us about this book, The St. Monica Club. Um, tell us what you set, why you set out to do it, but what it can achieve and what it can't. Okay. Um, well, in answer to your question, uh, it's began as a series of reflections um, as a result of my own experience of loving a prodigal. Um, and Maggie Green is a pen name because I, this is not my family story. This is almost every family story. We all have somebody we love somewhere in our family that is far from the faith. And what I discovered in the course of this essays was what this book isn't, which is how to win them back. It's how to wait, hope, and pray for your fallen away loved ones. The Witness of St. Monica is about maintaining an authentic relationship with God and her son all the way through his faith journey. It's an accompaniment book for anyone who is accompanying someone else who doesn't seem to be going directly towards God. Mm. Now, let, let's start with St. Monica. Um, why St. Monica? There was something very special that relates to this, this scenario. Okay, for those who, do, who may be unfamiliar, um, St. Monica is the mother of St. Augustine. Uh, she, she, in the course of her life, she converted by her faith, by her piety, by her patience, and her perseverance, her husband, her mother-in-law, um, and... Two of her children went into holy orders before her wayward son, St. Augustine. She devoted her energies to him. Mm. Um, he um, went into heresy, deep into heresy, and she was asking other people to pray for him. She was asking bishops to, to intercede with him. She was um, very persistent. It took seven, 17 years before her son, uh, he had a mistress with a child, before he converted to fully to back to the faith. He had been baptized as a child, but he had left the faith and he came back. And so she is the mother of a doctor of the church. <laughs> um, pretty amazing. Pretty, yes. And I love her uh, tenacity. I love her persistence, chasing him down. Uh, you know, there was a, a, a time when he was sneaking off to uh, to get on a ship to head uh, away from North Africa and go to Italy and eventually to Rome and pursue his dream of, uh, of being a great orator, right? And, and a, a lawyer, essentially, uh, a man of rhetoric. And he, he tricks her and he jumps on a ship and leaves and leaving her behind, you know. And uh, she doesn't give up. She doesn't quit. She 
Uh, she chases him down. She per- perseveres through that difficulty, and she does so with great grace and humility. And I, what I love about the story in particular is how she is given this grace by God to see the fruit of her labor before she passes. And in, and there's this uh, scene where uh, she knows she will never see her homeland again, but she doesn't care because she got to see her son come into the church. And that was really what mattered to her most, the salvation of his soul. It's such a beautiful story. Oh, it's a fantastic story. And we know this um, through St. Augustine from his confessions. And what I love is when she has a vision of where she's reassured that her son will be with her. And she shares this with her son, who, and St. Augustine at the time, is like, well, yeah, you could be with me if you just would leave all this faith business. <laughs> right. Now, no, didn't say that I would be with you. Mm. He said that you would be with me. Yes. <laughs> Which is <he's> standing <laughs> yeah, her glory. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I love that story about St. Augustine trying to ditch his mom, too. Um, <laughs> he's, he tried to ghost his mother, is that what I say? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, it's, uh, it, it's there's a powerful connection there, right, with mothers, um, that I think even dads, like I, 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 we have, my wife and I, we have six kids now, two grandkids, praise Jesus. And, uh, and, Still, when a mother's connection to her children has a deeper root than I think than than dads do, at least from my perspective, and when our children make, especially adult children, make decisions that that seem so contrary to the way they're raised or taught, or, or you know, it can be the pain can be very deep and profound in our lives. Um, is that a part of what you address in your book? Uh, absolutely. Um, there isn't like um, a 12 steps club or a <laughs> <support> <laughs> Maybe there ought to be. So members of the St. Monica Club feel often very isolated and, uh, you know, no one wants to be a member. <laughs> you just wake up one day and you are. Um, and that, that, that isolation, I think, is very deliberate. And so... Um, part of what you recognize is that you're in good company. Mm. Um, you're in company of saints. <laughs> yeah. You're not alone, right? Right. And I think a lot of times that's part of how the devil works on us. The demons work, work on us with, with temptation is making us believe and feel some despair that, you know, we must be horrible parents or we must be, you know, bad uh, siblings or we must be bad uh, spouses or, or friends or neighbors or colleagues or what have you in whatever the relationship is that of the person that we are longing to come home to the church again. Um, we, we believe we're isolated, we believe we're all alone, and we believe we're responsible. Are we responsible, Maggie Green? Well, I mean, we are responsible for maintaining a loving relationship with this person. That's our responsibility. And we are not the saviors of our children or our spouses or friends. We have one savior, and that's Christ. Um we are a company to a company, and it is very tempting um, to feel like if you if you have a child, let's say that that you like lost a merit badge, a Catholic merit. No, <laughs> you, you you have a different calling, which is to love this person, and every person that yeah, you know, we're, we're supposed to love as God loves. Well, it, for for God, He's a member of the Saint Monica Club with all of us because none of us are with Him yet. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. Hopefully, and he's working very hard to bring us all back. And so, um, it's not a case of us being responsible 
and that it is our fault. Mm. It's a, our being responsible and that we are to pray and witness to these people God's love at all times. Um, the success of it is determined by free will, which is, as we know, a very pesky and annoying thing. <sighs> We're talking with Maggie Green. She's the author of a book called The St. Monica Club, How to Wait, Hope, and Pray for Your Fallen Away Loved Ones. Uh, we're going to be going to a break in just a minute, and uh, we'll continue our conversation for another 10 or, or minutes or so on the other side before we have to say goodbye. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just take consolation as a parent that our job, our, our vocation is to raise our kids in the holy faith and to teach them and to make sure they have a foundation upon which they can stand on their own two feet and face the world. But once they do... And they're no longer under your care and custody. Well, they're on their own, and they ha- or not on their own, but they have to make their own decisions, and they have to uh, they have to face that on their own. And hopefully, you got them there. So I feel like there's a great temptation for parents anyway to take responsibility. But I take consolation in knowing that if you raised your kids, then you did your part. Now your your role changes slightly, right? It changes to from uh, from parenting to maybe mentorship and prayer. Well, uh, to me, I, my argument is that we always are their parents, even if they are adults. Amen. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just that our role in terms of how we parent has changed, and that, um, and since we're being called to be more contemplative, less Martha, more Mary, um, well in put. terms of how we approach our relationship with our child, um, they are free to make their own decisions, and we should try to do our best, but. It's not a case of, um, you know, my kid got the honor roll kind of thing. All right, hold that it's thought. Of- hold that thought, Maggie. Sorry, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. We'll continue our conversation. We've got in about another 10 or so minutes on the other side of this break. We're talking with Maggie Green, author of the St. Monica Club, Club, published by Sophia Institute Press. Don't go away. More Catholic Drive Time is coming up in just a few minutes. We'll be right back. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child and wondering what Santa would bring? In many developing countries like Haiti, most children don't make Christmas lists and they don't expect Christmas gifts. Often, every penny their parents earn must go to their basic needs like food, shelter, and water. Now picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift. You can spark that magical moment by sending them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. We have got some good news. The new version of the Guadalupe Radio Network app is out now. The new version offers big improvements with even more on the way. You'll be able to find and listen to your station no matter where you are and switch between our English and Spanish stations with ease. Missed your favorite GRN show? You can find all past episodes as podcasts on the app. To download or update the app, search your app store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be on with you. We're talking with uh, Maggie Green from the St. Monica Club. 
how to wait, hope, and pray for your fallen away loved ones. But uh, before I forget, uh, tomorrow on the program, I think we have uh, Donna Marie Cooper of Boyle, 1917 Fatima, and, and Advent is going to be on the program tomorrow. Isn't that right, Adrian? Uh, tomorrow we have, yes, that's correct. We have Donna Marie Cooper and uh, Alex Trevino in the second hour. And Stephen Mosier talked about China on Friday. So, on Friday. so Pretty cool stuff. Great programs coming up in the next couple of days, but uh, let's hop back on the phone with Maggie Green. We're talking about, uh, again, how to wait, hope, pray for your fallen away loved ones. Maggie, thank you for being on the program again today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, just about 10 minutes to go before we have to say goodbye. Um, maybe you can give us like a, a game plan. So we've got either adult children, a loved one, maybe even a spouse or, or what have you, a, a, a you know, sibling who's left the faith. What what can we do? Can you lay out a game plan for what we do? We have as our options to help bring them back into the faith. Okay. Well, the first thing is that you know I, I go back to when you first had a child and you held them in your arms. Everybody's a parent can remember that moment, and you thought your heart would break with joy just by knowing that they were in this world. Amen. Um, and you could stare at them, and that was sufficient. Yeah, your heart was full, absolutely full. And you didn't think you could love them more. Well, guess what? You can. <laughs> uh, and your job is to love them into eternity. So the first thing to do is to, is to look at your own relationship with them. How do I love them? Um, and where am I not loving them? Mm. And ask the Holy Spirit to show you the ways in which you, through sin, through um, sloth, through whatever you know your predispositions and sin might be, um, show you how you are how you may be um, in some way broken with this person, and help you to learn to love them well. That's what you should be praying to Holy Spirit. Help me learn to love them well. Or Holy Family, make us a Holy Family. These sort of constant little prayers. Your real work begins on your knees. Um, and that's, Amen. Honestly, that's where we start. Um, staying close to the sacraments. This seems like obvious, but in the moment when we're upset or worried, we want to fix it. Flip the <laughs> switch and it's <laughs> Yeah, amen. especially especially us guys. Okay, uh, I call it the knucklehead club. By the way, uh, and uh, the knucklehead club, we're like, I got duct tape. Let's fix this thing, and uh, it doesn't quite work that way, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, first rule about the Knucklehead Club, don't talk about the Knucklehead Club. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> but um, I would say it's a human nature. We want things fixed. We want things better. And mm. it's puzzling to us that, okay, we know God wants this person with them, and I want this person with them, so why isn't this you know, happening now? But all time is God's time. And time is time is our, our ally because God sees long term through you know to the to eternity. So, our job is to learn to love like God loves and to be patient like God is patient. Um, and that begins, as I said, on our knees and in the sacraments. Um, and then the homework part of it is learning to that you. This is not a battle where you are going to prepare a a brief and an argument and expect a rebuttal and then come back with your final closing lines and just, oh, you've clobbered me, you've defeated me with logic and reason and <laughs> evidence and therefore I shall immediately convert. That doesn't work. <laughs> um, if, only, if only things work that simply. 
Yeah, this, this is a, you know, lo- learning to have faith is learning to love God, and you cannot argue someone into love. Yes, yes. All right, well, again, we're talking with Maggie Green from uh, the St. Monica Club. It's a book published by Sophia Institute Press. You can purchase that on their website, mm-hmm. sophiainstitutepress.com, I think it's dot .com, is it not? And, uh, it is. It's a great book uh, about how to bring or how to pray, how to wait, how to pray, and what we can do to bring loved ones back into the church. Again, very, very, very common. I, when we four times a year, uh, Maggie, mm. we have these what we call shareathons. We jump on the air. We ask our listeners to fund our radio apostolate, and by far, that is the most requested prayer request we get uh, for many years now. It has been. Pray for my children, for my loved ones, my spouse, what my siblings to come back into the church. And it is so common. It kind of breaks your heart when you see it so much, um, but it is a very common experience that we all have to, uh, have to deal with. Um, and you know, I had a, I was thinking about something you had said earlier. You had mentioned about how God is on the Saint Mo- is in the St. Monica Club. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, I was thinking that's entirely correct because our Lord, uh, He desires that every soul be saved, yet He allows us to have the free will that even though He's God, like if God mm. lost some people, and then, uh, then what more How about, about us? I mean, He had the Judas, um, and then at the at the foot of the cross, mm. he, he, the only person that stayed was John, and that was because he clinged to his mother. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's uh, a very interesting point. Um, what say you, Maggie Green? Absolutely. Um, no, I mean, Jesus is agony in the garden over all the souls that are not seeing that they're being offered forever joy, forever peace, forever happiness. Um, yeah, we, we need to recognize that we're being given a grace of accompaniment in, in participation in Christ's passion when this is something that hurts our heart. Amen. And, um, what I would tell people is to hold on to the nails, not the hurt. Um, hold on to the cross. Um, and that that's what you have to do. And it, this pain can be a means of drawing you in particular deeper into the faith because it demands that you, you know, take stock of your own witness mm. and become more educated about why you believe what you believe, and that you remember that you, it's always about loving a person. Yes. And we only love God if we love another person. So being given people who are difficult to love is being given a challenge, perhaps, of loving as God loves. Yeah, and that's a very valuable lesson, one that I think is um, hard. It's actually hard to to come to realize, and it's important to come to realize it, loving a difficult person, a person who is difficult to love, right? Uh, I think that I've seen that personally in my life many times, um, but even though I recognize it, I still find it very difficult to to live that message. What would you say to people like me? It is difficult. It's absolutely difficult, um, but that's part of, you know, if you're not getting splinters, you're not holding on to the cross. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one. I like wow. that. I'm going to steal that. Write that down, Adrian. I'm taking that. That's great. <laughs> but, um, and I would say, you know, you have to hold, you know, Jesus tells us to take up the cross, to, to embrace the cross, and, yeah. you know, embrace it lover, and recognize it is your means of salvation. Um, and, and so, you know, the more you can love this person, 
the more you are loving God. And that's mm-hmm. what you have to tell. You know, you have to remind yourself. And we forget. We're really good at forgetting, which is why, yes. you know, the prayers and the sacraments and just the daily reminder to yourself, this is what I'm offering up, you know, almsgiving, fasting. Nothing's better for growing your love of the other person and of God mm. than doing what Jesus directly tells you to do. I, you know, that's a, val- a great point you just made. Well, we have about uh, three and a half minutes before we have to say goodbye, but you reminded me of something. Um, I often, uh, when I travel and speak, or back in normal days, when I traveled and speak, spoke often about pornography addiction, for instance. I would, uh, I would often have people, especially women, come up to me and say, well, you don't know about my husband. He's done X, Y, or Z, this, that, or the other thing. And so we'll end up having this conversation um, about the opportunity to offer sacrifices and sufferings. And one of the things I used to say all the time was, every day is Lent until they return home to the faith. Every day is Lent until they, until they are free from this addiction and, and they are restoring the broken relationships with which they caused. And uh, I, I, is how often do we forget that we have this opportunity to be like the shepherd children at Fatima to offer a prayer, fasting, and, and penances for the salvation of someone else's soul. I, I, why do we forget so easy, Maggie? Because that requires work. <laughs> um, and, and I would argue that you're absolutely correct that every day is Lent until they are restored. And every day is Advent because we wait in joyful hope. Amen. Yeah. We're, we're waiting for Christmas and Easter at the same time. Yeah. Well put, well put. Uh, praise Jesus. I guess we're about to we're ready to wrap up our conversation today. So Sophia Institute Press, is that the best place to get the book? Yeah, so you can get it from that place that has the name after a very long river, if you, know, <laughs> if you want. com, I believe, is the website. We'll link to it at facebook.com forward slash GRN online as well. Uh, but uh, the St. Monica Club, How to Wait, Hope, and Pray for Your Fallen Away Loved Ones. Maggie, thank you so much for being on our program today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, God love you, and uh, happy uh, Advent and uh, Merry Christmas to you. You too. You too. Thank you. All right. Praise be to Jesus Christ. That's going to wrap up today's uh, version of the Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Been a great show, Adrian. Absolutely. And I just wanted to let everybody know, go to uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Catholic Drive Time to follow us there. You can talk to us there after the show and see all the things we put online. Special thanks to uh, David Magianis for jumping into the chair and being a part of our Catholic Trivia Game Show. Uh, dear listener, would love to have you uh, the contestant for tomorrow's game show. Write that phone number down, and we'll take the first caller at 877-757-9424. Write that on a Post-it note so it's ready and available. But uh, tomorrow on the program, we're going to have another great two-hour show. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things that will keep you informed and inspired. Latest and breaking news and information. A little fun, a little laugh all along the way and everything in between. It's going to be a great time, and I want you to plug in. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to get the podcast version as well. Until then, may God richly bless you. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. 
Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.